I was recently asked, what is the difference between the Communication Queen podcast and the Crown Yourself podcast? On both podcasts, we have some extraordinary leaders. And with Crown Yourself, we're really focusing on consciousness, leadership, leadership development. With Communication Queens, I am so excited to show you and demonstrate how we get leaders to share their story in a way that connects and converts. So you're going to get to hear live coaching with me, with some of my clients, some of my guests, to be able to open up the door to new possibilities. And as you listen to this episode in particular, I want you to think of how you can share those stories that have deep challenge and maybe also have other people involved that you are not so sure if you should share or not. And listen to how I coach Ashley through navigating, communicating about her experience with domestic violence. Ashley Chamberlain is one of our extraordinary clients and a communication queen. She escaped from a domestic violence relationship resiliently to found Chamberlain and Good Company, a force for good championing financial empowerment for small to mid-sized service companies with bookkeeping and fractional CFO services. Armed with a master's in business administration and an unwavering passion for empowering others, this boy mama of two embarked on her entrepreneurial odyssey to support her family. Her mission is twofold, to provide top-notch bookkeeping services and to be a beacon of hope for those looking to take control of their financial destinies. She has now spent over 3,000 hours helping over 300 single mothers get back on their feet financially. Yes, queen! Ashley's mantra is let us mind your books so you can mind your business, embodies her dedication to simplifying financial management for entrepreneurs. She doesn't stop at numbers. Ashley's personal journey fuels her commitment to helping others break free from financial complacency and codependency. It is my honor to bring Ashley to the show, and I am so excited for you to listen to this courageous session and for you to pull exactly what you need from this to go out there and share the darker parts of your story in a really powerful, positive, future-focused light that is lighting the way for those who are still stuck in their own darkness. And if you love that bio reading and you're like, dang, queen, how do I get one of those? Then definitely inquire below to join the Communication Queen's agency. And with that, I give you the extraordinary Ashley Chamberlain. Welcome to the Communication Queen's podcast for the visionary leaders, speakers, service providers, and podcasters who are looking to stand out sharing their story. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, former screenwriter turned master communications coach. On this podcast, I'll be coaching you on how to share your own transformation story so that you increase your visibility, influence, and income on podcast interviews. Let's get your voice heard. We are going to just dive into your story and then do a little coaching because I know you're you're just getting started with us as a client. And so let's see how you share your story in your most authentic way and then give you a little coaching around it. Sounds great. Go for it. Tell us about yourself. So I am learning through this program um, the key pieces of what makes up a story. Um, and it's it's interesting because I used to just think, I'll start from the beginning, right? So I was born, did these things and, you know, all the details. But what I'm learning is I should really start with where the struggle began 
And so for me, um, the struggle began at what I would consider one of my lowest points, um, leaving in the middle of the night, um, a very kind of toxic relationship at the time, and really starting from the very bottom. Um, from there, taking uh, my little one and myself on to the next venture. For me, it looked like finishing my education, getting um, the degrees I needed to really um, start over. And for me, that looked like an accounting degree, a business degree, and joining the world. Um, because up until that point, I didn't really have a lot of contact um, with the with the world as far as finances go. So the journey of finances began um, in my mid-20s and got the degrees, started working in corporate, um, quickly learned what I thought was going to be this um, super shiny, um, I guess the best way to describe it is the top, <laughs> you know, crushing those glass ceilings and just being um, an accounting rock star. Believe it or not, that is a term in, in my industry, accounting rock star. Um, I quickly learned that I actually didn't know what I really wanted out of life, which was to have the freedom of choice. So all of that degree, working up the corporate ladder led me to starting my own business. So here we are today, owning my own business, um, employing a team of other fellow rock star accountants and able to balance um, with several kids of my own now. Because we promote you, I know there are a few key pieces of your amazing story that I would just love a little bit more detail on. Because ironically, I was just, or as the universe would kind of just have it, I was just having my hair done. And my hairdresser also had to leave in the middle of the night with her daughter, didn't know where she was going to go, and had the same experience. And so where did you go? Did you end up like in a in a shelter? Did you did you just walk me through a few of the pieces of where you went after and how a, a little bit, if we can paint the picture, I call it chunking up and chunking down. So giving the scope of the broad you know, transformation of the hero's journey that you're on and chunking down into a small piece of like what that looks like. So for example, um, I gave uh, in our most recent podcast uh, for the Crown Yourself podcast, I share a story of, you know, what I thought was normal growing up. Um, and I had this perception that, you know, maybe it was me, maybe like, cause people, kids didn't want to come over to my house. Like we would always be asked to, like, I would always I could be invited to go play at somebody else's house. But once friends came over to my house when I was a young kid, like sometimes they wouldn't come over a lot. And I thought that it was something that had to do with me. Well, no, it was just because my dad had really poor boundaries and he was walking around in his underwear with a scotch. Sure. So <laughs> it, it's it, it's a specific, de suddenly when you see that, you're like, oh, older 440 something year old man walking around in his underwear with a scotch now i'm not saying you have to paint the picture in any way shape or form like that of anybody in your life um my my father has passed and when he before he passed he gave me full permission to share everything about our story which was a lot uh, but that detail was 
Like now suddenly you have a very clear picture, right? Of, of what that looks like and are possibly horrified. Like I am where I was like, I would never allow my kids to that home. Like, sorry. <laughs> I'm sure the child is lovely. Yeah. Um, but that, that experience, it allows for that, that clear picture. And because podcasting is that auditory medium, if you can paint the picture with your words, it's like, where did you go with your child? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's so easy to just look back and just kind of, you know, I was here, then I went here. <laughs> yeah. So I'll never, ever forget the date either, which is such a, a, a small detail for some. But for me, it's like October 15th. I will never forget that date because I thought about that date for probably six months every single day leading up to that date you know, every day saying, this is when you're leaving. This is when you're leaving. And I I say I was very, very fortunate um, because a lot of women and men find themselves in a situation similar and they don't have a lot of options. So if they want to leave, um, the options can be a shelter. Um, the options can be the streets. Um, and even then, working with a lot of women's shelters now, I know it's not even easy to get into a shelter. Um, and, and that's a whole other story. It's such a process for that. But I was very fortunate at that time. Um, my mother li lived very close. Um, she was in a transition period herself. So she had just signed a new lease and she was part of the plan and she said when you're ready she didn't say October 15th because she knew I had put a date on it before and it didn't work out she said when you're ready I'll be ready so middle of the night I pack up my Honda Element which I was so proud of because I could take a hose and spray the whole thing out um, and at the time with a two-year-old that was golden for me um, packed up the Honda Element and drove to my mom's, which was about an hour away. And that is where we stayed for the next eight months. That, do you see how that creates like just a bit more of a picture? And I mean, I feel it when you say like the the plan and the date, like you gave me truth bumps of like knowing what that date was going to be. And like, no, like having the resolve and the planning that goes into to that in, in that experience. And for anyone who's been in a similar experience, like I, I know I was, um, of just having that those dates are so precious to you when it's like that's when you're leaving. So the specificity of that and just sharing your story, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And Secondly, like that specificity, because for every woman or man who's been in that or child who's been in that experience knows like th that the sacredness of when they actually make the decision and follow through with it sure. and how deeply meaningful that is. Yeah. And so that adds just a beautiful point to your story. And now the other part that you also didn't really share was you went off you know, and started your own business. You hit six figures in your first year. 
Yeah. Like you we, made it to the top 15% of female owned businesses. Only 15% of female owned businesses ever make it to six figures. You did it in your first year. Yeah. And it's crazy to even hear it out loud, really, um, especially from a numbers person because I just felt like I was in the trenches. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about that experience of really being able to own that piece of what you actually got to create. How long did it between the the moment you got in that that Honda element to that first finished year of like you you did it. You hit six figures in, in your first year. What was that moment like for you? Yeah. So from Honda Element to six figures, it took about 10 years. Um, in those 10 years, you know, I I find the I find those were really my um identity crisis <laughs> years. Um, because I just did not know who I was. Um I knew I was a mom. I knew I was someone's ex-wife, um, but nothing else really registered. So I thought I was going to be a teacher at one point. Um, I thought I was going to be a hairstylist at one point. So it took a long time to really figure out what am I good at? What brings me joy? Um, and what can I see myself really doing? for an extended amount of time, <laughs> not forever. Um, so that's when I started finishing the degree, my first degree. And I, once I finished that first degree, I'll never forget the feeling because I was actually carrying um, my little one at the time. He was three um, and I carried him with me on stage and I felt so much joy. <laughs> yeah, my mom was just like, a basket case because I lived with her while I was, um, I was again, very fortunate. Um, while I was living with her, I finished that degree. And, and so I carried him with me and, and he was, you know, he was only three. So will he remember? I don't know. <laughs> I hope you don't mean more about me. And that's <laughs> like, that's such, and it is a core memory because that is in the imprint period of psychology, which is like 95% of his subconscious programming. So <laughs> There's, that's exactly why I did that. Um, yeah. so, if I bring it up now, he's like, bruh, don't even talk about that. It's embarrassing. <laughs> so um, now he's 12. So now it's don't even talk about anything that you do that's cool because it's not. Um, so now, you know, of course. nothing I do is cool to him now. But so then after, you know, we walked on across the stage, um, I told my mom after the graduation, I said, um, you know, this was like the first thing I had really completed for myself. And, you know, as moms do, you know, you're the best, you can do anything. And I just remember looking at her saying, like, I don't think I'm done. And so I just kept going. Um, and so fast forward years, years and years, um, I was in a corporate job and I was in a cubicle type situation and was working just so many hours. And my now husband was, he is the, he was the one responsible for taking kids to and from school because accounting hours vary from 50 to 60. And it used to be kind of a thing I felt proud of. Like I am, 
working so hard. I'm making so much money. Um, but then I went to one of my little one's um, classroom events and the teacher stopped me and said and asked who I was. And that was a huge wake up call to me. And I realized I was so far from what I actually wanted to do, which was to have the freedom of choice to choose how involved I want to be, to choose how many hours I want to work. Um, do I want to be the snack mom? Not really. But do I want to be, you know, the mom that the teacher knows? Yeah. So that was that was something that really clicked and immediately went into researching what do I need to do and I just went into the trenches and so for about six months I worked a corporate job and um my started the company and it grew so incredibly fast and I really attest it to the incredible support I have from my husband um he is so he's a creative kind of person so he saw six figures way before I did so I swear he was manifesting it like the whole time um so he even in the background I don't know you probably he did the check to the universe <laughs> he did it's still on my cork board as just a reminder um <laughs> from the secret but so his support really um made me feel free to be able to work those longer hours when I needed to and to tell me it's okay if you need to pretend you're watching a show with me while you're really working um and so when we hit that six-figure mark I knew all of it was worth it I needed to struggle to really succeed um in my own way though and so once I quit corporate and focused on my own company it has just been so incredible to see it grow. Well, that's where we are today. Beautiful. And the other really, really cool part of your story that we just got to kind of plug is how many women now have you taught financial literacy to? <laughs> so yeah, um, throughout working in corporate, and through the starting of my company, I really, I call it like my 10th step of my healing process is um, giving back to women who are in my position um, that I was in 10 years ago. And that is teaching women finance, um, just literacy. And so I guess it's been about five years since I started and it's been over 500 women um, that I have had the honor to be able to teach anything to as far as finances go and it can be anything from how to open a bank account um, what bank what banks accept people with bad credit how to open a bank account with no money because that's usually a big a big thing they don't have money to open a bank account um, what is credit how to fix your credit, all types of things, all the way up to what's an asset, what's a liability. Um, so I've created a course that is now, um, it's completed every quarter at the um, Women and Children's Center locally. Um, now I don't have, I'm not a part of that 
uh, process anymore because now I have taught people to do that class. So I just, um, I go and I just support any way that I can. And sometimes that just means listening and sometimes it means running a group and um, whatever they really need. But it's been such a, um, I just say it fills my cup kind of back up to feel like this is my giving back moments. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's, yeah, the, the ability to empower women financially, who especially were in your situation, and I know many, many women who have been, where still years later, there's like still some shame where they're like, I still have to ask my mom for money because of the experience of what they went through. Um, of just having, and also just in general, like, those experiences aside, like women, we've only been able to really make money, at least in the U.S., for the past 200 years. So we got some learning to do, like thousands of years of learning to do about assets and money management. And so I just love the work that you're doing. And when you share that, I really like I see this light and I, I want you to just savor the faces of those women as you share it. Because truly what you're doing is is life-changing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Is that hard is that hard to receive? Oh, one hundred percent. It's uncomfortable. Okay. Okay. So this is what I love about going on podcasts though, is like sometimes like when I first started going on podcasts, like and I would have my bio read to me, I'd be like, Oh damn, who's who's she? <laughs> She's pretty awesome. <laughs> and it was like, I had to learn how to receive that. And it's a practice. And it's the beautiful practice that comes from being in these intimate conversations where somebody is shining the light on the successes that you've had. And I know, you know, what you're, what you said in the beginning is that through this program, like you've been learning to start, start in the struggle and we got to shine a light on the success on the transformation on the other side and you being able to really own that not from a place of that's braggadocio or pride but from like the level of servant leadership that you're practicing is phenomenal and i just want to celebrate you for that thank you thank you it is hard um i think especially from maybe it's a woman thing maybe it's a something that is just was programmed into my upbringing but being um you know being in the shadows or not not taking compliments and just saying thanks you know it's it's uh I was always taught to just kind of let them pass by you know I wasn't taught that compliments are a gift and that when someone compliments you that when you turn it down you are turning a gift down and so I I'm, I have been trying to receive compliments um, a little differently, especially because the amount that I am giving to the women that I see at such, you know, traumatic times in their life. And I can say, you know, you look really beautiful today or like really like that sweater on you. And, and I see them automatically say, no this is old or no then and I when I see it on other people it really makes me reflect on my own responses so I have to work on myself so I can help them work on themselves too 
Yeah. It's that, it's that ability to be able to receive. And we, as women, we're trained, like, like you said, it is programming yet. And like, there are things that if you have had trauma in the past, then the actual energy, the feminine energy, which is to receive is like, we're on like lockdown (laughs) where it's like, nope, (laughs) nope, not ready to receive. Nope, nope. Here, I'm just going to deflect it. I'm going to minimize it. I'm going to make it smaller because that's what we've been doing to ourselves. And so shining your light boldly on with honoring with reverence what you've been able to build and create in this world is also going to be a huge part of this journey for you. And I'm very excited to see where you're at six months from now. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So with that piece, like if you were in your boldest, most lovingly audacious, courageous self to share with honor and reverence for the things that you've been able to create, share your successes like that right now. Yikes. <laughs> take take a deep breath, Queen. You got this. Roll your shoulders back. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's a that's a big one. Um, I I think I today at at this on this day I am the most just proud of the balance and grace that I allow myself every single day. Um because I have taken so many imperfect actions out of fear and and felt sick to my stomach all the way up until they get here and then felt so glad that I did it because of where I am today. And it can be in business and in life. Um, so I'm just, I am really, really proud of what I have built for myself from my family and from my team. Um, All of my employees are women. They're all moms. Most of them are pregnant right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fun challenge coming. (laughs) Yeah, coming, but um, I'm very proud that I am able to provide such a comfortable position for them because I feel their gratitude every single day. Um, and that's all I could really ask for when it comes to building a company is is for that. Their gratitude, my gratitude. Um, and I get to feel it every day. That's beautiful. Like, and do you feel the difference in your body when you rolled your shoulders back? I have to I have to keep doing it, but <laughs> yeah. I know it's hard because you got the mic and it's like it's your yeah. kind of leaning forward into the mic, but when you like just on a physiological somatic level when you roll your shoulders back you're engaging these two little muscles in your shoulder blades called your rhomboids and this is my 13 years of teaching pilates and my first business coming out Um, but you actually send signals to your brain when your spine is erect of confidence versus when you're forward and rolling your shoulders forward you're actually um, sending signals to your brain subconsciously. And according to the Moravian communication model, 55% of communication, including with ourselves, is physiological. If your shoulders are rolled forward, 
you're sending signals to your brain of fear because what's happening is your body is somatically rolling forward to cover and protect your organs. It's a protected stance. So when you're showing up on podcasts or in any interview or in any presentation, just remembering to roll your shoulders back and lift your chin up automatically tricks your brain, even if you're not feeling confident, <laughs> into feeling more confident. Hmm. That's good to know. I will I will think about that when I'm adjusting this microphone to like a like a stand or something. As a stand would be good or like a mic arm. And it's definitely in in the in the course um to have a to have a mic arm. I currently have one on a stand and it's just it is what it is. <laughs> you like this moment. We'll make it work. Um, but that's that somatic change, it also changed how you're, like, it brightened up your smile. And I hope if you're watching the videos, um, episode of this on YouTube, go and watch like the literal change in the color of your face. It got more blood flow to it. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. But also good to know. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like in a, in a positive way, like yeah. not in like your flush, but in like yeah. there's more color, there's more brightness, there's more aliveness, there's more cheek. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's going for you. Yeah. So yeah, just rolling those shoulders back is a huge difference. Um, look at, and so now, now with what you're doing, how do you serve and support your clients? So I really pride myself on the fact that when we talk about bookkeeping and accounting, it's not fun to talk about which is why I pride on the fact that we have relationships with our clients. Um, we can confidently say, let us know how you're doing, not just with business, but if you want to talk about something else, that's okay too. Um, most of our clients feel comfortable to say, today's not a good day, we'll talk tomorrow. And they know we're not gonna take it personal because we know them. Um, they don't feel like they're going to get charged every time they email us. They don't feel like they can't call us. Um, but we've also set really good boundaries. So serving them well, I've learned, means having really, really good boundaries. So yes, call and email when you need something, but also know at a certain time, we won't respond after four um we will respond and they're confident we will yeah it just won't be that day so i really love our relationships um we're very deadline oriented just like almost every accountant so it comes as no surprise that when we give them give our clients the statements they need or we say hey we're all done with this project you know go ahead and take a look they I will say 50-50, they don't even look because they feel confident that it's right. Do I wish they would look? Yes. Because <laughs> we <laughs> spend the time doing it. Most of the time they're like, yeah, okay, looks great. I know they didn't go in and look at it because I get an alert when it's open. But that's the confidence that we've built. And most of the bookkeepers that are assigned to the clients, um, my accounting manager, they only wrote me in if they have questions, but the clients really speak to them more if they're reaching out to me it's to compliment my team and that makes me feel like that's an even bigger success overall so 
That's how did you build the team structure that you have now? Um, so initially I felt like I don't need a team that I can do it all myself um, forever because how can anyone do it as good as me? So quickly learned that was child's play. And I ended up hiring my first hire was um, one of my really, really good friends. We worked together um, at a previous job. She came on and I, I kind of treated her as just my my CFO, my everything. And then she was the one that came to me and said, we're ready to bring more people in. And because we had built such a trust in each other, I said, all right, bring on who you need. And so we would interview um, people and it just so happened. It just kept, it was just women. And it wasn't intentional at first. It was kind of, if they're, if they have the experience, if the job fits well, then okay but it was women that we kept getting and so then it became is this our thing is this what we're doing so over time um my accounting manager and myself built this team of women who were moms most of us have more than one child and we're all pretty similar with our schedules so i i attest the team more to my accounting manager because she she's a lot more black and white than I am so she can say okay we need to do this now and then she does it versus me I'm more of an emotional decision maker so we fit pretty well hold on just a second I have two little loving distractions (laughs) yeah so if you notice I have been listening and slightly switching my mic off and on. Um, that's what happens sometimes if there's little youngins in, sure. in, in the podcasting world. So it doesn't pick up the feedback and we get to really focus on what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's a little, it's a little trick. If you know that you have to cough or something, you can always just mute your mic mm-hmm. and then cough if the podcaster is speaking and vice versa. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a keen podcasting trick. I love the fact that, so to circle back to you hire, ending up hiring mostly women, mostly moms who are now all pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love that for you. <laughs> and I, ooh, yep. Yep. <laughs> are they all, do they all have their due dates around the same time? Oh, it's pretty close. It's nice. Uh, end of December uh, for one thankfully one just had her baby um she's coming back next week um and then there's one at the end of january i mean they're they're close um but what i love what i've learned and loved about what we've built is they say this is my due date and this is when i want to come back so they're already planning on you know this is when i'm coming back and so the first true test was my VA had a baby. She's the one that's coming back next week. And I I had never really dealt with this from a employer standpoint. So I were I'm also friends with her, with her family, and you know, I know her. So I didn't really know how often should I reach out? Should I should I say anything or is she gonna think I'm 
just messaging her to find out when she's coming back. And the, the craziest thing and the greatest thing of all of it is she was the one that kept texting and saying, I cannot wait to come back. I cannot wait. I miss everyone. So that made me feel really confident. Whatever we're doing is making them feel like they want to come back to it. So I just learned, let them take the time they need. They will tell me when they're ready. And we have a system built that we're going to be sustainable without them for whatever time that is. That's amazing that you've been able to integrate that. And I really hope that many business owners, if you have a business or, or, and are exploring maternal policies, that that time of just being able to just give your your team of, as far as what you're building and what you're creating. I mean, I think it's a... Uh, it's so interesting, especially as a business owner, like I've had my, my second child and that day I was back on my email. I did find out I had a TED talk. So I think it was a slight, <laughs> it was like divine inspiration. Like you need to check your email right now. <laughs> but it, it was my choice. Like I felt like, oh, I did that. And now I have some brain capacity because I'm not wondering like, when's the baby coming? Nope, he's here. <laughs> um, and just going to check in on things. But it wasn't, it wasn't this when you build that ethos of the values of what your company really stands for, people want to be a part of that. They want to be in that circle. They want to be included and they look forward to it. And so that's just a testament to what you have been able to build and sustain. And I look forward to seeing how it grows with all the babies coming in and out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been kind of fun to get, um, you know, updates and, my my little one's 12 and the other one's six so we haven't had babies running around in a long time and what's really cool is they look to me and when they ask for advice I always say do you really want it or do you want validation and it's it's been so fun because they say no one ever asks us that they just give this unsolicited advice and and so I think it's just building this comfort not only from a business standpoint, but like bringing back that it takes a village and your village can be the people you work with um, if you have that trust there. So most of the time they say, no, I really do want your advice because your kids are still alive and they seem pretty happy most of the time. So so it's, it's building the friendship that makes, you know, our everyday work life just that much more fun. How do you establish boundaries as a business owner between the friendship line and the boss line? So that's been kind of a trial and error. Um, in the beginning, I was when I first hired um, my accounting manager, I was terrible at it. So we hung out, out outside of, you know, business hours often. And I would bring up business all the time and she was nice and okay okay and then she finally said I won't I can't be around you if you're just gonna talk about business because that's not fun so uh, uh, okay okay I get it um and so now whenever we are together outside of business hours we don't talk about work at all not one single bit um the VA I mentioned her her family member I'm really good friends with and that's how she came into the company so when I'm at her her aunt's house and she's over there we don't talk about business at all so we just draw that line this is a Monday through Thursday they don't work on Fridays 
um, a Monday through Thursday conversation, and that's it. <laughs> Everything else is personal. And it's been really, really good, not only for our relationships, but for me too, because then I, it forces me to take a break too. <laughs> what made you want to give your team and, and structure your work around having a four-day work week instead of a five? Um, I Personally, I think five-day work weeks are outdated. Um, I think as the mother, um, as the one that a lot, so we're the default parents most of the time. And I know with that comes appointments. Um, it sometimes means if your children are sick, they, they will walk right past that other person in the house straight to you. And I know that you're mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. So whether you use that day to just lay in bed all day, you book all your appointments that day, you need to go get your hair done. You need to get your nails done. Um, you don't have to think about work. You can do whatever you want. If you want to travel, you have a longer weekend. Um, I really, really, really wanted my team to feel like they had an extra day because it's a family-oriented business. I, we do Zoom calls. There's usually kids running in there. My kids are at school, so they're if they're running around, there's something going on here. But uh, <laughs> for them, they usually have kids running around. And and I know I can say the words, it's fine. I don't mind. Your kids can run around all day. I don't mind. But they mind. It's distracting for them. You know, if my little one is home, he's six. If I even feel his presence in the same room, I'm distracted. If he doesn't even have to be talking to me, I, I can just feel his presence. I'm like, oh, that's distracting. So having that extra day is just good for business <laughs> for <Yeah>. everyone. <laughs> yeah. And there's been studies done recently around a four-day work week actually creating more productive, more successful teams than uh, a five-day yeah, I agree with you that that five days very, it feels very outdated, mm -hmm. and it's time to to revolutionize the system for what, for because ultimately we're building businesses because that's something that we we want to support our life, not to support our business. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think uh, the team almost works a little harder when they know I've got four days to do this. Um, now, if they choose to work on Friday. If they respond to my email, because I'm working, I mean, if, if my kids were home, maybe not, but I'm working, it's more of my creative day. If they respond to an email, then they're telling me it's fair. Mm -hmm. not they're working. But otherwise, if they are texting me, then it's personal. This is a friend text. This is not a business text. So to me, I see so much um, more productive work coming out of them Monday through Thursday than when they glance at their emails on Friday and send one or two sentences back. So I would much rather them give their all Monday through Thursday, whatever that means, whatever time, because really they can work whatever time. They have no set hours. Um, we don't have a call in line. So sometimes one of one of my bookkeepers she has a newer baby and so she works at nights because she also has a toddler so whatever time you want to work monday through thursday is whatever time works for you and take the day on friday to just get that r and r mm, yeah and i working at night with a toddler that is that is a theme 
Yeah, that's so it's so quiet. Yeah, it's so quiet then. Mm-hmm. So, as you're building, what is your vision for what you're creating in this world? So, financially, um, I want to ha- I want to build a million dollar business, and my why, <laughs> my why is I want to create this empire of female accountants if males come in you know i'm really not opposed to it it just kind of seems like it's the trend right now for us um but this empire of people that have this freedom of choice to live their life however they want to live it but have a certain skill that they want to put to good use and that good use is helping small to medium-sized business owners thrive have their peace of mind back and have their books taken care of so building the empire for me personally means me being able to continue to have balance in my life being able to be you know the snack mom maybe once a year if i want to be but having that choice i love the reference because it's also such a beautiful chunk down reference to circle back to like communication style of the snack mom like because i understand the snack mom and i am not that snack mom either like that is such a beautiful chunk down reference that allows people a specificity to see and and also gives those moms that are like you and me to a bit of permission to say like it's okay to understand how you want a mom That's nice. I I always felt like I was failing. So however I can share it, um, it makes me feel like I hope one, just one mom hears that there's no one way to do it. Um, I always felt like there was something that every other mom knew that I was like left out or didn't know. And as I was a single mom, I felt it even harder because I could never afford the, you know, the cool matching outfits. I couldn't afford to miss work to be um, the homeroom classroom mom. Um, I couldn't do those things. And then when I could do them, I didn't want to and realized, wait a minute, did I like miss a class or is something wrong with me? Because I don't want to do these things. Um, I love my kids and will keep them safe and do those things. But I'm a better mom when I am productive in another area. And that for me is work. You are finding your voice coming out of this like transformation from where you started to now to how you have found a level of certainty within yourself and ownership and now you're creating an empire like you're doing something that so many women who are in that position can absolutely do and to light the way the more nuggets of empowerment and ownership that you have of how you do life business the way that you do it and and acknowledging that that is different it's not the norm and, and how special that is in how you're just pioneering your own path, the more attractive you're going to be to podcasts. Before I had kids, I used to laugh because I would say, if they don't, if someone doesn't like dogs, they're a bad person. And now if I'm, I think the same thing about kids. Like if someone makes a face or feels annoyed because my kids are around, 
then something's wrong with them that reflects more on them than on me because obviously I've done all I could to um you know put boundaries up with a six-year-old but um also he's six and life goes on and it's just a part of it takes a village and people need people and this is a community so if that's not okay with you then we would never work out we will not be able to work together <laughs> and i love that because that's that's one of the pieces that we talk about is having a polarizing perspective of having those things that you take a stand for that are a little different or a little funky or a little um that, that are just your boundaries but it's a different perspective that allows you to really hold that line. And when you hold that line, that's attractive for the people who are for you, who are like, oh my gosh, yeah, like I stand for that as well. Yeah. Um, because it, it brings in a whole, it brings in much more sparkle when people realize that you're not just vanilla. When yeah. they're like, oh, no, she's she's mint chocolate chip. I'm like, I... I <laughs> Like I don't, I am. I take a stand. I don't like mint chocolate chip or ranch dressing. It, it's yeah. but if you have your flavor of ice cream of like which what ice cream flavor are you? And you have the nuts and you have the sprinkles and like that is going to be perfect for your ideal clients. And the more you own those pieces of who you are, the stronger your message is going to come through. And also the the this the stronger podcast clients customers that are aligned with that message are going to rally to you okay yeah that's it's kind of like those castle walls like a castle wall and it comes around your values so the polarizing perspective really comes from those values that you really take a stand for and you're like this is me you don't like it not your kingdom like go find go to Knott's Berry Farm if you don't like Disneyland different value systems yeah. uh, so what is that thing what are what are a few of those polarizing perspectives Aside from the one that you just stood for, stood your ground for, Mama, which I love, <laughs> what are those things that you could take a stand and like step on your soapbox and be like, okay, I'm for you if you're for this. I'm not for you if you're for this. I think one of the things that, you know, I, I have been in so many conversations with potential clients where I feel like we're in the, what I would call the courting phase or the dating phase. And so we're, you know, we're sending messages back and forth and we're, we're picking up a vibe and we're like, oh, maybe this will go the next step. Um, and so when I lay out some of my boundaries or um, just kind of things that this is how we work, it will immediately turn the wrong person away. And so that that thing is, I will say, in a, it's in our contract, but I'll also say it out loud is there is no such thing as a bookkeeping or accounting emergency. Um, and that will immediately, if it's the wrong client, the wrong boyfriend, um, immediately they will react and say, oh, well, what about, and I'll say, if you don't agree with that, then we're not going to work well together because if we're doing our jobs well, communicating, um, you know, filing the paperwork, doing the things right, then there should be no reason that you would believe there's an accounting emergency. And that means send the email if you have a question and we'll respond in the appropriate amount of time. 
It does not mean that you can blow up the phones, the emails and texting and Facebook messaging because we've gotten that too and expect an immediate response. How did you define that boundary? Because that, I mean, I've seen it with having coached entrepreneurs for the past like eight years now in, in defining what urgency actually is. Like what, what led you to draw that line as a boundary? So in the very beginning, when I was, when I first started my business and I was working the corporate job and the business, it was just me. And I felt this sort of, I want to do everything for everyone because I want to get clients and I want to, you know, I want to service them the best I can all day, every day. And what I found was I was working so many hours and I was so unhappy and I would blame the clients. Like, can you believe they're texting me at nine o'clock at night and saying they need this done by tomorrow? And my husband would say, why are you responding? Or why, why won't you just send an email tomorrow? And I kept doing it over and over. And then I realized I set the tone and said it was okay. And as I kept doing it, I kept realizing how miserable I was. But I didn't hate the work. I just hated the boundaries that I wasn't putting in place. And so immediately I thought, okay, what worst case scenario would be an, an accounting emergency? I couldn't think of not, not one single one. Now, people think the IRS is literally going to just come knock on their door, like knock on their door, open it up and arrest them. That does not happen that way. If an IRS person is coming to audit you, you have so much warning, like you have so many letters, so many emails, so many phone calls. At that point, if there's someone knocking at your door, that's not an emergency. That's a planned knocking at your door. So that's how I realized, okay, there really is no such thing as an emergency. And if I don't set this tone right now, I will hate every single client that I get for the rest of my life. <laughs> what an amazing boundary to be able to to draw. Like that, it just, it changes the game because then it's you running your business, not your business running you. Right, right. And my team members love it because I tell them the same thing. So they don't feel like there's a sense of urgency that really isn't there from the clients. Even though it's in the contract, even though I say it to the clients, I also reiterate it to the team. Like, just so you remember, we have a new client. This is, you know, the name of the business. Here's what you'll be doing. And remember, no such thing as an accounting emergency. You tell them you have 24 to 48 hours to respond to a communication. And if you respond quicker, awesome. If not, that's your that's your area of time. And like, okay. And they love it. It makes them feel comfortable. Amazing. Ashley, you crushed it on this podcast interview. Like you did amazing. And I just want to <laughs> honor you for showing up and, and allow being so coachable and open to the experience. And I'd love to ask, what did you love about this conversation? It felt really comfortable. I was really nervous, um, but it felt really like a conversation. Um, and I was worried it would feel like I was on a spotlight or something, I don't know. So it was very comfortable. Cool, yeah. And you know, that's the thing is with podcasting is like, 
there is the spotlight because you will be featured. I mean, our podcast for the Communication Queens podcast, we're doing it a little differently, bringing in a little bit of coaching, a little bit of um, story coaching and strategy and, you know, some tips around that based on your, how you're showing up. You won't get that with most podcasts because most podcasts are there just to hear your story. They won't give you feedback on how you're sharing your story um, unless they, and if they do, they should really practice that they do. Like, like we definitely let you know that that's kind of what's going to happen. Um, but with pod, you're there, they're already setting you up for success. They're already positioning you in the place where you're going to be drafting on in racing. It's called drafting where like you line up behind the pot, the, the lead racer and the lead racer is the podcaster, but they are setting you up to go so much faster and so much further with so much less energy expenditure. And they're already positioning you as the expert in your field. And so it's just your job to show up and be the expert as you did today and to relax and have a beautiful, intimate conversation and to respond and be in the dance. Yeah. And you did a wonderful job of that. Thank you. You're so welcome. As always, Communication Queens, let your voice be heard because your story has the power to save at least one life. Share it now. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. For more tips on guest podcasting, storytelling, and communication strategies, follow us on social media at Communication Queens Agency and visit us at communicationqueens.com. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. And in the meantime, remember, your story has the power to save one life. Let your story and your voice be heard.